0: Drive. Hello fellow mooners and welcome to series 3 episode 4 of One Foot in the Podcast where I, with the help of a guest, will break down and pull apart yet another Renwick Masterpiece episode of One Foot. This week it's The Beast in the Cage, first aired 23rd of February 1992. I feel like I say this an awful lot but it's truly an exceptional episode and another genius idea of one whole scene with minimal character presence and the ultimate situation which will bring out the best, or should we say the worst, in Victor Meldrew. Someone described this episode as a claustrophobic gem. Victor and Margaret stuck together in a traffic jam on a bank holiday trip. What could possibly go wrong? Another special moment of this episode where the podcast is concerned is the snippet Is the snippet that's used from the theme tune, a prank played by the car mechanics where Victor's clearly an ongoing war he's tending to. Where the mechanic has had the final say for now. Uh, when I last reviewed a one-scene episode, it was Timeless Time, series two, episode six. Now you think it'd be difficult to talk to yourself into a mic with only one scene and two characters involved. And it was, to be honest, however, it was such a work of excellence, I had no shortage of content to discuss regarding this episode, that particular episode even. So this time round, another one-scene piece of excellence to discuss, and this time, with Ida Class as an old friend of the show this is his third appearance it's Ben welcome ben
1: hi tom how's it going marvelous
0: yes very good excellent good, good to stuff. be back i'm glad i'm glad that you're back i've missed uh, the conversation uh, from you this this needs uh, fans like yourself i think this particular um, episode like i said it's a uh, one whole scene Lots happening. Um, it's a good
1: episode. It's a tricky one. This is, I mean, I've this, as you say, this is my third appearance on your show, and this is the only one I've had to make notes from because you really. don't have the the scene boundaries to yeah. to really prompt you to know what's coming next, and so yeah, um, it's it's very easy to get lost in the ordering of the scene, the the one big long scene without a mm. a bunch of prompts to let me know where I am in the uh, in the thirty minutes.
0: This is going to take some editing skills I've never uh, thought I'd have <laughs> because it's going to be lots, probably lots of pauses and. Uh, what do what, what we missed? Anything else? But um, if, before we start, first of all, <coughs> excuse me. First of all, I got a very new microphone, very sensitive. You might pick up my dog, my toddler who's currently going to bed, um, all sorts of noises. But I think it would be improvement from the microphone I had before, which was basically an FA microphone. So please bear with me. I just want to give a couple of shout-outs uh, to David Jones on Facebook. He's sent some really nice comments lately. And he's looking forward to doing an episode sometime in series four. Glenn from Tasmania, forever tweeting the podcast with his kind feedback. Thank you very much. Morris Davies, also on Twitter, um, often delights us with his pianist skills. So go check his Twitter account out. And Nikki Ather, she emailed recently. I'm glad to say my first female is going to be on the podcast at long last. It's not just about the, the males. They're going to have a female on the show. So, looking forward to having Nicky on. Finally, just recently, just had a little tweet from a podcast called Four's a Crowd, the sitcom podcast. Should we crack on with the episode Beast in the Cage? Let's go. Okay, so Beast in the Cage, a nice aerial shot of, according to my book, it's not a motorway. This is obviously a motorway we're seeing. I don't know if it's supposed to be the M3 or, or whatever, or M4, but it's apparently it's Voxel's. Um, test track in Millbrook in Bedfordshire. Yeah, the Mill
1: Millbrook Vehicle Proving Ground, apparently. uh, I looked at this place on Google Maps before I recorded this. It reminded me of a particle accelerator I know in America. There's this huge big circle on the landscape.
0: Oh okay. Um,
1: It's quite interesting to see from overhead.
0: It looks pretty convincing though, like during the filming. Like what you know, obviously you only see a handful of cars, and you probably I think people spot the fact that there's quite a lot of gaps between cars, and there's probably not you know it's obviously not a a real traffic jam, obviously, but mm. um, they talk a lot about how difficult this one was to film, wasn't it? Because of this, they had the front window panel out, so the cameras and uh, mics could pick up the actors, and they were absolutely freezing, apparently. And it took a good couple of weeks to film, so it didn't sound pleasant. And I think Renwick was—he's um, quite a stern kind of guy, according to the actors—and quite precise with his directing. So, I imagine, it was, yeah. Like,
1: I've heard you're not—you're absolutely not allowed to ad lib with the script. It has no. to be delivered as written.
0: Yes, yeah. I remember. I think Annette Crosby very much touched upon that, didn't she? Yes, very yeah. much. Don't just, uh, yeah, stick to the script uh, at all times. That's it. Yeah. I
1: think it was quite a challenge for the actors as well because they had to—they had to have the whole script in their heads at once. It was not like you're recording different scenes on different days where you could glance at the script mm. before you start that scene. They had to have the whole lot in their heads.
0: I just admire any actor who can remember their lines because I feel yeah. like if it's me, any amount of practice, I would. i would go, just go. I would, it would be not, if I was an actor, I'd have to rely on ad libbing to a certain extent because I just feel I'd forget. I mean, there'd I mean, be a lot
1: of ums and ahs in my plenty delivery for me because <laughs> as I as I buffer the script in my mind, it
0: would be. Uh, yeah, it's the same it with me. Like, I mean, I made no, I make notes for these for these podcasts, and I'm glancing at them, and I can barely read what I've written, let alone remember <laughs> why I've written something. But um, yeah, we open up with an aerial shot of we are, yeah, a like a northbound and southbound motorway, and then we're onto like a singular shot of the traffic jam. I don't know if they're going northbound or southbound, but that's very geekish to even speculate. <laughs> um, the camera eventually pans above Victor and Margaret's car. And we see quite a comical sight of Victor through the sunroof, Let's head back. I think we established shortly they've been there. About four, well, they've been travelling for about four and a half hours, I think, I believe.
1: <laughs> we learn that later in this, um, I say scene, the whole thing's a scene, but yeah. quite early on we learn that they've been sat there for, mm. we learn that A, it's a bank holiday, B, they've been sat there for four and a half hours, and C, they've been in that same one spot for 20 minutes.
0: A long time. And just yeah. this great visual of Richard Wilson led back, Victor led back in his seat, and he's groaning under his voice, Oh God almighty. Just the delivery <laughs> is superb because it's sort of delayed and very slowly um, delivered. Bit My- geeky now,
1: but did you notice the continuity error at that point? I'm gonna say no. So as you're looking at the back seat through the sunroof as the camera flies in, yeah, you see the AA roadmap I see that, yeah. Underneath the blanket, yeah, and then when we s- and there's also what looks like some TV sound equipment on the back seat as well. And then when you switch to the front view through the windscreen. The blanket has gone, and the AA roadmap is tilted over the over the seat.
0: How did Renwick let that happen, eh? If I had Mister Renwick on this show, I'd be quizzing Give him about that. Slap. <laughs> yeah, I did <laughs> notice that. I think fans of podcasts like that sort of thing because that's why they listen to a rewatch anyway. So I, it's I'm, inexcusable pedantry, but yeah, <laughs> maybe. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I think um, if you are in a traffic jam and you're the driver, you're probably the most the most uncomfortable uncomfortable position because you're sort of although you know you're in a traffic jam at any moment you're gonna have to concentrate again but one of the things that doesn't really cheer us up for some reason is being offered a sucky sweet
1: what's Um, a sucky sweet is that a thing is that just something margaret calls it is that just a random boiled sweet brand or
0: i i've heard that phrase sucky sweet i just I think I, I thought it was quite a common sort of phrase for any kind of boiled sweet, like you say. But um, I guess it's a brand thing. But
1: maybe it is. I don't know. I've never heard it up north. But yeah,
0: Victor um, really cool, it, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> do you remember what he says? Uh, sucky sweet. I'll be sucking
1: in that exhaust before long.
0: And he's not wrong, is he? I mean, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, mo- modern cars these days they have an auto stop function, so you're not breathing in the fumes. Yeah. To add to the pain that they are they've been in a four and a half hour four and a half hour journey, at least half an hour in that traffic jam.
1: Yes, I
2: always say that for a really super gang holiday treat, you've got to go a long way to beat four and a half hours tearing up a horse's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they've so the like.
0: so got the, a lovely view of the back of a horse's arse, I'm going to say, I'm going to say bottom, I'm going to say arse, I think it might sound funny, back of a horse's bottom, arse. Um it had to be a horse's ass, didn't it, it couldn't just be a, a car, so Victor gets that kind of view, well, Margaret, I suppose, and it's it's a May bank holiday, I believe, it's not um, August bank holiday, it's um, or it's not a Easter bank holiday, it's a May bank holiday, officially. Is not it, that is it that, that
1: mentioned? Man. I didn't know that.
0: It's not mentioned in the episode, but the Richard Webber, One Foot in the Grave book, confirms it being a May bank holiday. Ah, it doesn't matter okay. in the slightest because one of the Easter it could be Easter Friday, Easter Monday, yeah, you know, either the two May Bank holidays, it could be the August Bank holiday. Obviously not Boxing Day Bank holiday, but you know, Victor's doing that thing, which I think it's semi-therapeutic for yourself if you're in that position. But it's he's just commentating on how bored he is. So he says it's like it's like watching a party political broadcast by Kenneth Clark. Another dig at the conservatives there. True, he mentions yeah. politicians a lot. He does, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, um, but yeah, he, uh, he he said... Um,
0: Others in the traffic jam he'll be adding to the Christmas card list. Just yeah, he's these... virtually
1: a friend of the family Yes, yeah. his ass.
0: <laughs> mm. Margaret, as ever, appears... Well, I say as ever, she's quite calm and patient. Only she's really
1: just filing get... her nails at the start, isn't she? She's just yeah. sitting there quietly letting him letting him run down. You know, yes. batteries have got her run out eventually. There's only so much rant in Victor. That's she's true. She's just letting him... She let, she, yeah,
0: she, I think she hopes that he'll just wear himself out. But ultimately, she remains calm until she's had enough of Victor's moaning. That's the bottom line. Uh, Victor grabs the road map and, the road map and jokes that they're located, <laughs> the location's hell on earth.
1: Ah, oh yes, here we are. Hell on earth. I Which... thought for a moment we'd taken a wrong turning. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I was dead.
2: I wish you
0: were dead. Get some peace. And I have got a clip for it, but I, I wish I was dead. Which, why do we say that? Like, obviously, we don't mean it, but it's just the most morbid thing we can think of. Sometimes we go, oh, life's so rubbish." What? Wish I was dead. Margaret, snappy response. I wish you were dead.
1: Um, <laughs> she like, might get some peace. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's her first big laugh out loud moment because she mm. said it was such a deadpan face, didn't she? Love it. Is that her first
1: line? I wish it's you were not, dead.
0: I'm not, I mean, it's not... Sucky Sweet might have been her first Oh, of line, course, yeah. Of her course. first laugh out loud moment, I would say, uh, is that. Is that line. I, I, I don't I, know if
1: it's necessarily true, though. I think, to some extent, Victor probably does wish he was dead, if you remember in Was it Starbound where he was laying in bed after snorting cocaine in somebody's garden for God knows how many weeks he was... He said, do you ever wish you could go to sleep and just not wake up the next day? I need to
0: talk about as an inexperienced coke sniffer, because I'm not, I've never had. now
1: am I. I'm not well-versed in these matters, actually. Yeah.
0: I'm sure it made you more sort of hyperactive and on the ball, and he was acting like he was stoned, but that's for another time. I, I'd have to invite drug addicts onto the show.
1: Uh, <laughs> politely. <laughs> politely. This yeah. week, our guest yeah. is.
0: <laughs> no, I don't mean to disrespect, but... I just thought, I sure... You don't mean
1: to disrespect drug addicts, but...
0: No, <laughs> or advocate the <laughs> use of, but Victor's sort of singing Bob Dylan and yeah. almost half asleep. Anyway, that, again, for another, that's, you'll be able to tell me how many episodes away are, are we away from Starbound. It's like this Christmas special, isn't it? I think
1: it was a series five yeah. Christmas special. End of series be- f-
0: yeah. Between
1: um, the Wisdom of the Witch and Endgame, I think, so it's uh, a while off.
0: I made a pointless note that I could hear like rock and roll music in the background in someone else's car. I thought it was quite a nice bit of tiny detail. It's going to happen, you're in the traffic jam, you're going to hear people's music.
1: Nice you can, and, yeah. yeah. Nice in fact, pointless... it, I think it's the extras in the other car that I feel the most sorry for, I think, because they've just had to sit there for two weeks. At least they're warm. doing nothing, they probably can't read a book, they can't put any music on because they've <laughs> listen for the director shouting through a megaphone. It's... They've literally just got to sit there and stare at the back of Victor's head.
0: It's true, but at least they haven't got a window taken off, and they're true. Probably, they're probably warm, aren't they? True, um, but um...
1: and it's easy money, to be fair, isn't it? Mm. Sit there, get paid.
0: Yeah, and you know, One from the Grave series three, halfway through, it's definitely made a name for itself at this point. Mm. So you're being part, you're part of a quite a special project, I suppose.
1: Yeah, um... absolutely. I don't know how the viewing figures grew actually throughout the. About the series, what if, um, you, if you plotted it from series one to six, what it looked like? It
0: had fifteen point six million episodes. That's crazy. I, I know it was mostly five channels, and not many people had the Sky or cable, but fifteen point six is pretty damn good. Whereas these days, three or four million is considered good.
1: That's um, insane. Fifteen million. That's that's brilliant.
0: Can you imagine fifteen million watching around a random? Episode on terrestrial television now.
1: Well, uh, no, it's just too diluted across too many ch- channels, isn't it? There's there's no quality TV on anymore. It's
0: I just find it hard to choose. this I'm spoiled for choice with Netflix, and I mean yeah. free view these days. But so much, to, so much to choose. From. I, I end up doing a rewatch of something I've seen before anyway. So um, yeah, usually it takes
1: commitment <coughs> for me to watch something new. Yeah, me too. i yeah, I'm usually comfortable just seeing something I've already seen because then I don't have to actually pay attention to it.
0: Well, I'm doing that with Lost, like, that takes, that's a massive free watch, because it's like six series, Uh, 20, 30 episodes, series, and it's like 50 minute episodes, so. Do you ever get
1: to it all, though?
0: Yeah, I love it. I'm one of the cult, I'm like, it's a cult following Lost, because most people will say they couldn't get past series three or four, but I loved it all, Um, but I, I assume you didn't.
1: I got confused. I've seen it all, certainly, and I've rewatched it several times, but whenever I rewatch it, I never probably get past series four.
0: Yeah, a lot of people say that. I mean, it's the um, mystical time traveling, the Flash Sideways, the Purgatory, loads to it. But the one misconception yeah. it gets is people assume they all died from the beginning and they didn't. Right. But it's not for everyone. It's, like I said, it's a bit of a cult hit, Lost. I think it did start off the, it did um, up the, or raised the bar, didn't it? I mean you had like um sopranos and the wire, but when Lost came out it did take it to a new level. Um, yeah,
1: I did think it was brilliant, although it it does I think I find it does take effort to get right through to the final series, but I absolutely love the last scene where they're all going into the is it a church and Benjamin Linus yeah. is sat outside. Yes. I feel so sorry for him.
0: Yeah, he yeah, one. he was a very interesting character. Absolutely love yeah. Benjamin Linus. Um, yeah, I think
1: he's my favourite.
0: Yeah, very... He's, Thank you. He's, he was just so... He, quite loathable to start with, and he's yeah. so manipulative, but he was a bit of a hero towards the end. But that's why I love the show. There's so many... A lot of characters. But
1: yeah, awesome they chose show. exactly the right actors for that. Yeah. I, they couldn't have been cast better, I don't
0: think. I just don't feel like... There's a, a 20, 30, 40 cast members, but I don't mm. feel like they went on to do much else. Well, they've obviously done things, but nothing I... Dominic yeah, I
1: haven't seen I remember Dominic Monaghan from um Petty Investigates. Investigators. I, I love that. I do as well. As old as middle aged as that makes me, I love it. With the uh, anything. Patricia Patricia mention, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's a very cute, quaint it's a nothing kind of mystery crime thing, and it? It's like someone's stolen some money and they've gone on the run and they've got to solve yeah. it. But it's something about it, like the intro is beautiful. I've got going off on a tangent here, although um, the, uh, it's quite relevant in a way to what we're talking about in the respect that Raymond went on to write Jonathan Creek, a mystery crime mm. drama. But Hetty Wainthropp's yeah. brilliant. car, we digress. We're going to have to digress for this episode. <laughs> it is a classic, but it's 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 lots of visuals, isn't it? It's facial expressions. Mm. It's who we might see later on. And um, it's not. It's obviously got some great one-liners, but it really is just people sat in a car. I've been, uh, you might have seen me plug another podcast, uh, Monkeys and Dogging, for Peter K.'s car share, run by John Lush. So I thought I'd give him a little shout out midway through, because I thought it's, in a way, semi-related, because it's two people in a car. I actually, being honest with you, John, if you're listening, I I never watched Peter Kay's car share. I've watched snippets, but I need to get into it, then I can listen to your podcast properly. Anyway, back to the... Back to the episode in hand. There's nothing else to do for Victor, apart from... Test out his st- seatbelt. Test out his seatbelt. And it's quite dangerous. It just doesn't lock in, does it? And the no, joke
1: it's, it's not really... Um, I don't know what's the word. He's not really supporting him, is it? It's just... What did he say? It's safe having a black mamba around your neck.
0: I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, Margaret's works. Um, I was thinking it's quite a dark thought I had. Did the car mechanic mechanics do this on purpose did they we're gonna there's gonna be a little, a little bit about the car mechanics later on and victor often has his war of words with the garage i just wonder if they have, that'd be quite dark if they did
1: that, that is a dark thought where does your man go um yeah i think uh, they'd, have, they'd have to be sure that they were going to kill victor and not margaret
0: yeah yeah that's true
1: um, but I doubt they've um, ever really dealt with Margaret. I, I suspect Victor does all the, mm.
0: the dealing. Oh, with the... absolutely! The but if Margaret was to sort it out, she would. She would sort. She would sort a lot of their problems out because she'd approach it a different way, whilst being assertive. Because she can be a scary character. Like, I don't think well, like
1: be... she did at the end of uh, Monday morning, will be fine. What she did with the, the 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 lady in the TV shop. Yeah, she didn't shout. She was very quiet but very fierce, and got what she wanted. She would have yes. done the same with the car mechanics. Mm-hmm. I think Victor should just let her sort all the problems out yeah.
0: in the house. I I agree, but he can't help him. I mean, she has a job to go to, albeit part time. But I want to talk about Margaret's career later, and I'm sure she mentions she's of a different type of job she does. Now, I know she works at a florist, but I think she mentions another job with oh. someone else. But anyway, we'll get to that. I, I might be imagining things. This the seatbelt moment leads to a slapstick moment of. Victor pushing himself forward and smashing his head on the steering wheel, which caused him to toot the horn. (laughs) And like I said, it's more visuals about this episode. It's you can't I can't say more than that. But everyone who (laughs) listens to this will know what I mean. It's just it's a great moment. Plenty of slapstick moments in one from the grave. It it works. Slapstick comedy isn't for everyone, but I think it just works well with Richard Wilson. Where he... It's amazing, isn't
1: it, how Renwick can just crowbar these slapstick mm-hmm. moments into a scenario where you wouldn't think it was possible for them to occur, like yeah. in these claustrophobic episodes. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing script writing, really.
0: Yeah. Um, so Victor also quips about the situation could have been worse. They could have gone to the Arts and Crafts Fair. It sounds like they went the year before. Um, was the Arts and Crafts thing mentioned because is it traditionally boring? I don't personally relish going to an arts and crafts fair but I've been to them, they're not that bad. Doesn't sound like my idea of a good time to be honest. Quite niche isn't it? I mean, uh, Victor recounts the first prize going to some bloke with a nosebleed who made a tablecloth.
1: Um, Yes, the first prize for fabric design, yeah, a man who had a nosebleed on a tablecloth. He got a (laughs) certificate of merit and a five pound gift voucher for a funeral directors yeah
0: bizarre it would be funeral directors wouldn't it
1: five pound off at a funeral it's not gonna it's not a big discount is it
0: really what would be the nearest thing to um water- watercolors is there a photo of jilly cooper two cats look like two cats urinated on Yeah. Um, <laughs> jilly cooper do you know much about jilly cooper
1: i know the name i can't place who she is
0: jilly cooper's an english author born in 1937 okay I just assume any reference of a famous person, um, Renwick's got a, probably got a problem with them or
1: wants to make a joke out of it, clearly. Margaret. He does mention a lot, doesn't he? I've learnt so much about people I wouldn't have otherwise come across out mm. of Renwick's scripts. Like um, Stafford Cripps, who's mentioned in <laughs> Rearranging the Dust, was apparently a Labour Party politician from the 1930s. Wilson Keppel and Betty from Threatening Weather.
0: Yes, the, the dancers,
1: yeah. yeah, who are actually awesome. I'm so glad I saw that. That's the, the, brilliant. I mean, the, the sand dance from Wilson, Keppel and Betty is sublime. Everybody should YouTube that. Oh,
0: I think I will. Oh, I think everyone <laughs> should listen to this. Have a YouTube of it. <laughs> Margaret, did you notice she was reading a, a newspaper rag and there's like a, a big BT ad? I just yes, that's like a running theme where they've always got a problem with BT, haven't they, in this um, comedy? There'd been a um, lot of
1: problems with phones in, in Victor's life, hasn't
0: there? Yeah, I just thought it's quite interesting. Well, it's not interesting, it's just one of those tiny little Easter eggs where whether it's a fluke or Renwick just wanted to get it in there, that he hates BT. Or would it don't really reference it, do they, to be fair? It's just a, a newspaper ad. There's nothing, nothing trivial. Um, yeah,
1: but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he does like to have a dig at BT. He certainly did a lot in Series 1. yeah. I think one of my favourite lines from Series 1 is, I see Mrs Althorpe's got a man up her pole again.
0: Yes, yeah. Say <laughs> <on> words. <laughs> Very rude. What, what did Victor got drunk? He tends to get drunk quite easy, doesn't he? Homemade turnip wine.
1: Turnip wow. wine? Have you yeah. ever had turnip wine?
0: No, I, I wouldn't eat turnips. Is turnip in the same vegetable family as parsnip? Uh, I don't it's know. a
1: root really? vegetable, I guess, yeah.
0: Yeah, so... No, I, I prefer can't.
1: Swede, but Swede wine sounds even less appealing.
0: Have you had potato wine?
1: No. Is that, isn't that just vodka?
0: Probably. It probably. I don't know. It probably can act as a disinfectant for something, couldn't it? Probably,
1: yeah. But yeah. um,
0: no, the turnip wine line is obviously um, Margaret uh, having another dig at him, another drunken exploit where he makes a fool of himself. Uh, because, of
1: Victor would just drink anything that was free, to be honest.
0: Well, she. I think she said that him that i think that he, the evening he was drinking that wine it, she said he was going to the toilet sounded like someone running a bath which i thought was a very yeah. funny line and he was having an argument with the mayor's wife which was a paper, papier-mâché model of the mayor's wife moaning about um the litter situation again litter rubbish yeah it's very consistent and crops pizza. up a lot isn't it yeah as ever
1: And he just thought she was a woman with a skin condition. (laughs) It it didn't occur to him the fact that she was completely inanimate.
0: He must be absolutely trolleyed to think that was a human.
1: (laughs) I like Margaret's. What what did you think those wisps of newspaper were sticking out of her face? It's like, well, I didn't like to ask. I thought it might be just some rare skin condition.
0: (laughs) Ironically, the, the, he's continu- he continues to moan that he's quite hot, but, of course, we said the actors were probably absolutely... Well, they were really cold. Mm. And he lets out a brilliant little rant. The traffic, it doesn't help.
2: Get a move on up front, for God's sake! where the bloody hell's going on up there? I can't do much more of this!
0: And Margaret just totally dismisses it. I, I, I'm sure if I shouted out the window, my fiancé would have something to say. But what else can you do? It's just a sort venture. Of yeah. I'd it? be
1: I'd be... Suitor- I mean, I have done this, and I would be suitably chastised, and was. <laughs> So I'm, uh, you know, in, in my relationship, I'm the one that rants at people and gets nowhere, whereas um, my husband is the one that is diplomatic and actually gets something done. I just like, like to shout. I just like to shout at the sky, and Victor likes to shout at the traffic.
0: That sounds just like my relationship. I think I yeah. go really go off on a moan, and partner's really she's relaxed. But, um, yeah.
1: Uh, but if I, as as he's got his head out the window, he notices that there's a man sunbathing on the top of a <laughs> piece Pickford's truck.
0: This is this is the thing. Like, I love the fact that you can just. Some of these one-liners allow you to; they don't have to show that. It's leaves it to the to the imagination, which is just mm. as funny, and it's clever yeah. because we find it funny, don't we? I think if they showed it, it might it would be funny, but not as funny. As how how it's written written yeah. written. So for some reason, the the camera points to the clock, the little digital dashboard. Three twenty five p.m. Yeah. But apparently, it's two minutes. Is it two minutes fast? Yes, correct it. And I like how it's like clocks like this in the '90s and previous. You couldn't just modify the time the simple way by going plus or minus. You had to go all the way around to correct the time because it wasn't picking yeah. up a digital like um, you know a signal to have an automatic correct timing. No, it was two two
1: buttons. What, one one? What two buttons? One that advances the hour. One that advances the minute. And That's you right. Can only yeah. go forwards. Mm. And. Uh, you, you can't turn it back, which uh, comes back later towards yeah. the end of the episode, yeah. which is quite
0: nice. It's just, it's, it's just, nice. it's just a nice little remic moment we all share. Um, we've all been there. A t- it's not a big, big deal, but I just like the 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 year that they first brought out the, one of the first smartphones where you didn't have to worry about correcting the time. To big Ben, it was just done for you. Um, I used to be quite obsessed with changing my watch to match Big Ben or <laughs> put on teletext to make sure it's exactly the same, but, um, I can't teletext.
1: If... how retro, <laughs>
0: I know fast text. If you're really, you still um, get,
1: it's, it's te- have they all gone now teletext and Cfax oh, Are they all dead?
0: Yeah, that they went a long time. I think the red button was going to go as well, the red right. button on your remote, which gives you some kind of teletext, but the, tel- the, the modern teletext in the last 15 years hasn't quite been the same. Yeah I don't know I don't know if this is the time thing is too relevant at all I just think it's a at how crap clocks were back in the day when you had to crack them yourself
1: Well it's a nice way in for for him to talk about all the trouble he's had with this car which I notice actually is a different car to, to the one in
0: I did because it hasn't got the 2 the TCP um
1: well it was C65 GTB GTB,
0: which sounded like C C100
1: TCP. TCP yeah we have put her living in the tomb so, Yeah yeah.
0: Which yeah, they had a like a little Ford Fiesta or something. But this is a little. I think this is a Honda. Yeah, it's a Honda. That will matter later on.
1: Um, I wonder so, about the title of the episode as well. The the ta- um, we have put her living in the tomb was a reference to um, Edgar Allan Poe. And I wouldn't the know. Beast in the, the Beast in the Cave is a oh, is a short...
0: it's going to be a play on words, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a short story by H. P. Lovecraft. So I wondered if it was it came from the same place. Mm.
0: It's funny you say it because I I thought "Beast in the Cage" could have been the episode name for Dreamland because Margaret was the beast in the cage. Talking about mm. the budgies she had stuck in the cage and they didn't want to come out, and it made them one of them beastly and not want to leave or something. But obviously, this works. The beast in the cage, the beast in the car. Victor says that. This, this car's been nothing but trouble from the word go. Uh, and Margaret says, the man in the fish shop said it's, it's all psychosomatic. So he's been talked about in the community, as ever. I it's wonder like if it's he's... the
1: same uh, fish shop man that appeared in The Futility of the Fly and Rico. Yeah, yeah. about hon- Honda Chondria, where you imagine everything Honda... is wrong with a Japanese
0: car. Yeah. I think he, Vic, Victor's response was, what, when the windscreen wiper flies off and spears a wood, pe- <laughs> wood pigeon... <laughs> That's one of those
1: lines that really nails me. And then he says, um, it set fire to an azalea last week because of all the electric shocks he's been getting off of it.
0: That's but, it. I mean, yeah, Honda Condria was a great line. But aren't Honda's Japanese cars even considered like, the most reliable? I speak to different so-called petrol heads or whatever they like to call themselves. And most of them say, yeah, probably considered Japanese cars generally are very reliable now. But not in the 90s. Uh, in the maybe. 90s, it felt like Skodas weren't reliable, and maybe old Volvos. I'm not a head; I wouldn't know. Some will, me either. Someone would correct me, I'm sure. But I'm just... nearly
1: 40 and I still can't drive, so I'm probably mm. not the right person to ask.
0: Fair enough. I mean, you might have been a Top Gear fan, but... So you mentioned
1: electric shock, so
0: the car seems to give off.
1: No, not to Margaret, not to anyone else who sits in the car, but... It seems that Victor's better connected to ground than anyone else. Mm.
0: Yes, but the, the electric shocks only affect Victor. So I mm. don't know what this says, metaphorically speaking, or, you know, it's, it reminds Victor's, me
1: Victor's just more conductive than, than anyone conductive, else. That's that's conductive, that's the
0: conductor conductive. It reminds me of Mr. Bean, you know, Mr. Bean fan, when he brought um, an old analogue television and he just couldn't get the signal to work. And every time he would go anywhere near it, it would make eye contact with the screen, it would lose signal. Ah,
1: uh, um, yeah.
0: And he walked past it. I think he had to basically be out of the room and peek around the corner for it to the signal to work. And right at the end of the episode, he walked past a, a Dixon's with about 20 telev- televisions and they were working fine. He walked past and they were like, classic. it just it reminded me of that for some reason.
1: I remember that. So it's been a while since I've watched that. Yeah, he was a very resourceful man, Mr Bean, wasn't
2: he? Mm. A fantastic uh, show. <laughs> I love Mr Bean. God's sake, how much longer have we got to sit here?
1: I he like then his. has a go at the horn, doesn't he? He's, he's yeah, I love his.
0: It's very aggressive and yeah. Oh, it's just very. If I heard that, if I heard, if Victor was a real person, I was near him in that traffic jam, I would know that was Victor pressing that horn in that manner.
1: Yeah,
0: um, very funny. What do you think is going to
1: happen? The traffic's just good, suddenly going to go. Oh, let's go. But
0: it's There's an, somebody it, beeping. It's frustrating when it doesn't really happen that much. But when I've been in, you know driving up to Manchester, I've got family up there. Yeah, there's been traffic, but most, 99% of drivers know what good is to your Horn. There's, yeah. there's no reason for it, but people do. That small percentage it's, do. It's
1: an outlet for your own it's frustration. It has no, no effect, effect is, at all in the real world. Yeah,
0: That's all it is, isn't it? You haven't
1: known anyone
2: as lethal with a two-nil Clipper as you. Got the paper boy in the eye with one the other day.
1: <laughs> good try to hit some up tricks. So at this point, Victor utters that, Instead of going on this bizarre trip to wherever they're going, they should have stayed at home and done something useful. And Margaret just turns around and says, well, like what? And says, well, cut my toenails for a start. (laughs) And then we end up in this whole spiel about how Victor's quite lethal when he's cutting his toenails. He's he's got this newfangled gadget for cutting them and he had the paperboy's eye out with one because uh, uh, they just fly out and hit whatever's in in that yeah. yeah. Victor insists that he absolutely goes and gets every single toenail and puts it in the pedal bin before he moves on to the next toenail.
0: And I believe, clearly isn't true. Well, I felt like I believed him in the moment, but obviously if it's going here, there, everywhere, and it's catching someone's eye out, it's not the case. But he sounds quite convincing.
1: Yeah, well, obviously that particular one, he had to gouge back out of the paperboy's eye to put it in the pedal bin. So.
0: I'll tell you what. Okay, again, another Jonathan Creek like crossover, not crossover reference, but a reference. Caroline Quentin, I think it's the very first episode, with with uh, all talk of toenails clipping, them going everywhere. If you Jonathan Creek fans out there, the very first episode, the wrestlers, Too, Maddie, played by Karen Quentin, she is invest. She's well, she's interviewing the model, the blonde model in that. I can't remember her name now. Um, doesn't matter what her name is, but she is cutting the toenails while speaking to uh, Maddie, and it just goes into Maddie's tea. And uh, it's absolutely disgusting that she's like she takes it out and carries on drinking it. But that's, do you remember
1: that just... the? Uh, do you remember the episode of Father Ted where Mrs. Oh, Doyle's I... in Father Jacks and he smashes through? Uh, is yeah. it the the, Amer- the American priest who visits them? His glass suddenly yeah. shatters.
0: I do remember. I thought you were going to mention <laughs> Richard Wilson's appearance in uh, one in Father Ted, which seems to have gone down very well at its time. Mm. But um, yeah, just a little uh, side reference there. Yeah, uh, the actress
1: that played the model and went on to be in the book group. Did you ever see the book group?
0: I didn't know. Chan-
1: Channel 4 sitcom, very good. The book group, okay. Yeah. yeah. it's. I think it's probably still on channel4.com, available to okay. watch. I highly recommend it. There's only two series, but it's mm. very good and quite, quite claustrophobic itself, really.
0: Is it? Okay, I'll have to keep an eye a look a lookout for that one.
1: Yeah.
0: V- Victor pretends to turn the radio on. Uh, we hear Derek Jameson, much to Victor's dismay. Uh, yes, he'd rather listen.
1: listen to the back end of a horse, thank you very
0: much. He was a broadcaster, passed away in 2012. Obviously Derek Jameson got under Remwick's nose at one point or another, I can only assume. If Renwick was to ever listen to this podcast, he will not But if he was, he'd be like, all these accusations this person's making that I don't like these people. It might just be that I wanted to include their their name into the script and have a funny joke. But um, I could be wrongly assuming, but it feels like it is a dig Any. Anyone famous? Anyway,
1: who knows? Who knows what his motivations are? He certainly has said that he has a dig at critics. Yes,
0: which he did in in the
1: Executioner's song.
0: Uh, that would make sense if it's a, yeah. to do with a critic. Margaret's work, trying to work out a crossword clue. What's another name for a dung beetle? Giles Grandreth. Straight away, broadcaster and writer. I always find that he pops up on the One Show. Not that like I watch the One Show, but he's always on there. He's got, I think he's got a piece on there, isn't he? He's got a. Um, a segment he does or something i don't have a problem with him he's quite sort of this posh kind of middle class i think I, i've got i got nothing bad to say i don't really know he, much yeah. about
1: he's all right i've 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 seen him in um he does a lot of radio for comedies like i'm sorry i haven't a clue and,
0: oh yeah i love sorry um, i haven't clue yeah
1: what's the other one just a minute just a minute yeah um, he pops up on qi at least he used to occasionally
0: humphrey mm-hmm. listen Rest and peace. Yeah. a couple of years ago now, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. very sad day. For someone, for God's sake, tell them to move on up, up the
2: front. What have they got up there this time? Gangs of navvies and cranes fitting fully longshades? I've been sat here for half an hour. My tyres are beginning to take
1: root.
0: So v- Victor this time sticks his head out of the sunroof and calls out for the traffic times just to get a move along or get a move on. Um, yeah,
1: he sort of shouts, what's going on up there? Have you got gangs of navvies and... <laughs> cranes fitting frilly lampshades it's so um, he says my tires are beginning to take root." i've been in
0: you, i mean you do just want to do that and we've already mentioned that it's pointless but i've mm. been in traffic jams like absolutely maybe mm. like dual carriage traffic jams and you eventually get to the front and there's nothing there there's mm. no one's broken down that you can't well someone might be rescued and taken away but you just think what was were people rubbernecking do you know that are you familiar with the term rubbernecking yeah where people are just yeah. nosing they're just slowing down and just has this knock-on effect for the next, for the previous ten miles, and it's probably nothing. It's probably someone having a pee on the side of the road. It could be anything. We never know what the hold-up is. I think I'll leave that to the end of the episode because I want to say I like, I think it would have been brilliant if, and for some reason it was like a bit had a bit of a Mandela effect. You know, when you remembered it a different way. I mm. thought going back a few years, I thought when the camera pans out, there's just a few cars in front of, bits, but nothing. There's like it's free for some reason the cars just stopped but that wouldn't make any sense but I just remembered it totally differently.
1: And I do ran... like the fact that um, and and Renwick points this out in the commentary for this episode that you never leave the car the camera never leaves the car and so when Victor sticks his head out of the sunroof you yeah. don't see his head you just see his torso. I, I really like it's a nice touch that the camera always points inwards and never outwards. That's
0: very true. Yes. Okay, so at this point, they've been sat there for half an hour. Officially, according to this rant—he's got a bit of a headache on the back end of this rant. He says, "You can see why people can be become psychopaths." Do you know why he says that? Why, why? Why does he say that?
1: I don't know why he says that, but it kind of prompts Margaret to, to start talking about this woman in the supermarket who's obviously very mentally ill.
0: Yes, who's been that's moved right. off.
1: She's been moved off the meat counter because the smell of blood was triggering her. Um, they moved her on to cheeses, Cheez, but they said yeah, they wire. didn't like the way she kept flexing the cheese wire. I don't know how you threateningly. I guess you could threaten to strangle somebody with some cheese wire.
0: Well, this is why I yeah. thought this is why I mentioned a second job because it, the way she talks about that little story was mm. she said I think she used the sort of the word us. Or we we wondered, um, you know, what department they put her on and. Obviously, we assume it's a friend of hers that works there, but I just felt like she, the way she was telling that story, that she worked there as well. It's never referenced again, so who knows? I just, maybe, just maybe.
1: My assumption. The, the florist could be adjacent to the supermarket, I guess, and she goes mm. in there a lot. And yeah. Everybody That's knows true. everybody. Yeah. But um, apparently, they, 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 it sounds like quite an interesting woman. She says she's been banned from the public gallery at inquests. And she's just this woman that just goes and sits in the gallery and watches all the miseries of the world go by. Does she do
0: find good her goodness. husband playing chess with an, an inflatable woman?
1: She does, yeah. Yeah, that's, the that's what triggered it. Yeah, that, that must, I think that's enough to tip anybody over the edge. You come home to find your husband playing chess with an inflatable woman. That says
0: more about the husband. I mean, it's one thing playing chess, but, you know, to have a, your company be a bit of plastic, inflatable. I I'd think say that she's, was she's, an
1: alarm bell.
0: Yes, and she's questioning, obviously, her own sanity at that point, but you should be questioning yeah. his sanity, but there you go. He gets out to stretch his legs. He just gets to stretch. It's just more... This has happened to Victor a few times, hasn't it? Has to uh, do the Ministry of City Walks, almost, hasn't it? Another one of those. To be fair, he's been, they've been, he's been sat down for nearly five hours at this point, I guess. So. Gets a
1: massive electric shock off the car door. Yes. <laughs>
0: It just, I mean, to me, it happens. Supermarket trolleys don't really, I don't can't say any of my cars are treating me, like, treating me that way, thankfully. The yeah. doors, are,
1: I mean, I haven't been there for a while because of lockdown, but the doors at the office I work in always get me. Yeah? I'm always getting electric shocks off really? the lift. I can't <laughs> press the lift button without getting 10,000 volts up my arm. So I get it. Poor Victor. But he says, yeah. um, Margaret suggested he should get rubber soles. And he says, oh, rubber soles, I need a lightning rod up my trousers. <laughs> and of um. course, Sod's law occurs, as soon as he stepped out of the car to stretch his legs, the, the traffic starts moving.
0: Yeah, he rushes back in. He rushes um, back
1: in, and then about six feet, Does he laps. say? Does he
0: say shit under his breath? Because i remind reminded a few times, he sort of gets shit. He-,
1: he does that when he, after his, that previous rant he did, where he talked about the navvies and the, the cranes fitting through the lampshades. When he comes back in, he says, giving myself a headache doing that now.
0: That's it. Shit yes just so under I, his
1: breath
0: yeah i got i went to um, went, went back a bit there but yeah i'm sure he um swore a bit. it's a bit like a, a mistaken home alone if you watch home alone where marv sticks his foot through the cat flap or the dog flap and he his shoe comes off and he says under his breath but i wouldn't be i
1: never noticed that yeah he goes, that's I not wouldn't. very
0: pg exactly i i wouldn't have thought that um that would be allowed in because
1: a, yeah. yeah, PG, there you go. So yeah, well, the car moves about six feet and we get, six we, feet. We, we get a, a, an instance of I don't believe it yeah.
0: and we got Yeah, we got the first I, I don't believe it in the episode.
1: Uh, the only one, I think, yeah. And then he, um, he, There's not that many of them, like I say. He has but... another quick rant out the door as soon as he's realised that they're not moving at all. He goes, it's gone beyond all human endurance, I can't take anymore." <laughs> oh, and actually, no, I'm wrong. That's where he says shit under his breath.
0: Right, okay. This After is why I, done that, yeah. I love having you on because even if you make a mistake, you know straight away, whereas I'll just keep talking and I forgot I made a <laughs> cock
1: up. Um, and one thing about this particular little bit that we that is mentioned in the commentary as well, it's at roughly 11 minutes 28 into the episode which I've got noted down here. We get our only look forwards um, apart from at the beginning when we see the horse, we get another look forwards uh, and we see past the horse box and you see that there's only two or three cars in front of yes yes Um, and you see this just big empty space on this motorway
0: yeah i think a lot of fans picked up at that but i mean the shot i can see 11 minutes 30 in is pretty jammed so they they, they're quite careful there i'm just looking at the number plate of the horse cart as you can call it and i just wonder if there's anything behind awl 888y or was that 88by i don't know
1: I don't know, you could put that into you've got that uh, web, the gov.uk website now, where you can put <laughs> registration numbers in and see if they're taxed.
0: Yes, that's See good. if that,
1: that horse box is still alive anywhere in the universe.
0: Yes, that'd be a, a, a collectible for any fan. <laughs> I wonder if the horse is <laughs> alive. Where would you put it? Well, if you live on a farm, you're, you're winning, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? Anything else? At
1: this point, I think we're going to the second of two acts in this show.
0: Well, this is why one of the many reasons one think The grave is so superb, and out of of absolutely nowhere, and especially because they've essentially been... Well, we're 10, 15 minutes into the episode. The car has moved a little bit, and they could have gone on much further. Who knows? But who comes into the car? It's only Mrs. Warboys.
2: That feels a bit fresh. Find one all right, then? Oh, yes. There's a pub on the other side of that slope, though. We're very friendly. Do you want to go? No, I'm fine, thanks.
0: Which I... Just, do you remember that first time you watched this episode and you just think, like, where does she come from? It's absolutely crazy. They're on a motorway. They've been there for at least half an hour stationary. No sign of uh, Mrs. Warboys. Us, the viewer, we've had 10, less than 15 minutes. And out of nowhere, Mrs. Warboys comes on the scene which is an absolute joy. We have established that most episodes, they won't include Patrick and Pippa, Mr. Swaney, Mrs. Warboys together. So this is her episode, isn't it? And yeah, so glad she's made an appearance, but she's, she's there because she's there's clearly a service station further back and she's gone to get some snacks.
1: I think she went to a pub, didn't she? There was, was a, a pub, pub over there. Oh, okay, yeah. there was a
0: pub. Um, uh, how she
1: knew it was there, I don't know. I mean, I think when I'm on a motorway, I couldn't tell you what's over the, over the embankment.
0: No, that's true. They one probably... part of
1: a motorway looks very nice, like another. <laughs> but she, there was a map on the back seat, so maybe, true. maybe it had pubs on it. I don't Well, know.
0: I don't know if an old A to Z map would have Unlike Google Maps it wouldn't mm. tell you necessarily but uh, anyway, they're obviously Who there knows. for that long. They probably thought saw that said Mrs. Yeah. Warboys would be right. But they were gonna drive on. What well, do you think about it? That they could have easily have driven another I guess you would have caught up on foot, but you just don't know, do you? I thought that's quite funny. I think Victor wouldn't particularly cared when he
1: um, No, he'd, he'd have happily driven off and left her, I think. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I think Ma- even Margaret's fuse when it comes to Mrs. Warboys is quite short. I think after you know, however many hours in the car with her, she'd probably oh. quite happily leave her as well. Remembering only a story when she moved in for a bit.
0: Yes. Oh, Margaret
1: just, just couldn't take it anymore. She's cleaning, cleaning the your, cupboards cleaning out. Clean out
0: your filthy cupboards.
1: <laughs> the wallpaper came down because she, she turned the heating off. And, yeah. You know, she, this, yeah. You, there's only so long you can spend in her company without just wanting her to go away.
0: That's very true. That's very true. But it's a delight to see Mrs. Wallboys it? and it's a marvelous com- comedic moment. Mm. Uh, absolute genius totally unexpected which is Remick all over isn't it it's marvellous
2: did you get my crisps oh no sorry they didn't have any salt and vinegar they only had smoky bacon I asked you to get smoky bacon you asked me to get salt and vinegar I said don't get salt and vinegar I said get smoky bacon oh they had plenty of smoky bacon but you didn't get any three huge boxes chock full of them but you didn't get
0: any Mix up on the crisp situation. Victor clearly wanted smoky bacon, not salt and vinegar. Mrs. Wallboys thought it was the other way round.
2: I.
1: Literally... She rubs it in as well. Oh, they have loads of smoky bacon. Oh, loved it, yeah, yeah. But you didn't get any. Oh, big boxes, chock full of them. But you didn't get any No. <laughs> and Thank you very much.
0: I've been looking be, forward to those. To be honest with you, I mean, I. So, so I've read some um, one-foot fans say that Victor's a bit ungrateful anyway, and he could have just gone. Margaret could have taken the wheel, but. Who likes Smoky Bacon? I can eat them, but it feels like salt and vinegar is the way, but there you go. Might be, again, Renwick saying, I'm fed up with people moaning about Smoky Bacon. That is a decent flavour. It's tasty. I'm going to put it in there. Victor likes it, so it's good. Classic Mrs. Wallboy's getting things wrong or mixed up, but we still love
1: her. now, Now she offers Victor a drink from a flask they've got in the back seat. Yes. And, uh... Victor says, "Oh, I'll have some pineapple juice, but only if there's some of that ice left." He
0: hands a uh, an ice cube with a dead, a dead wasp in
1: it. Yep, freeze dried wasp, I- as Victor puts it, that he very nearly eats. He's like, "She's she's like, I didn't think you'd be all that bothered." It's the last ice cube. He's like, "Not all that bothered." Like,
0: I had a, um, from the joke shop uh, an ice cube with a, f- a fake fly in it, which I used to put in people's drinks. Which reminded me <laughs> of that. Um, yeah, this is a dead wasp. Have you still got it? No, blow me up. Oh no. no. I, it was probably around this time this episode was released I last had something like that. I used to look into the joke shop getting ridiculous things. I um <laughs> as, a, I, as a kid I was a little bit
1: more sinister than that. And my <laughs> mum and uh dad were both smokers and I was terrified of them dying of smoking diseases. So I used to put pepper in their tobacco a lot.
0: Oh really? I was... just
1: <laughs> sent them livid because it was, you know, it's expensive stuff and I just ruined a whole batch of it by filling it with white pepper.
0: I thought you were going to say you brought in fake cigarettes, where it's just like Tolkien powder comes out when you blow, like you have to blow it. Obviously, a real smoke wouldn't blow, would they? But, um, no, I just
1: poisoned their existing tobacco.
0: I'll tell you how seriously I took one of my GCSEs. I brought a turd pen from the joke shop, so it was a, a turd with the buyer at the end. I did an actual GCSE, I think it might have been biology, <laughs> with this turd pen. It might have been a mock actually because a friend of mine was sat on table we had tables or two where you have one of you had to sit on the end so you couldn't see each other and he was so distracted by my turpen that his so his name was Simon and he wrote shit as his name because he was so distracted. Um which I still remember fondly, age fifteen. What was his first name? Simon. So he Simon Shit. So he just wrote shit and up on a GCSE mock paper, brilliant but I don't think
1: <laughs> <laughs> You just imagine the examiner Need- <laughs> marking it afterwards Ah yeah. oh, yes, Simon shit, I know the boy
0: Needless to say, I, I think I did shit in that particular, I don't think I have much confidence in that particular uh, lesson, but there you go I just, <laughs> oh, I, I just jump in this is, this is the type of episode where this is going to happen, I think, because essentially not a lot happens, does it? But it's still a brilliant episode. And the yeah. things they talk about, is, it's just going to make you reminisce, essentially. Well,
1: right now, while, while Victor's ranting about the wasp in his ice, Margaret's saying, you know, we might as well go home the first chance we get now. As soon as there's a junction, we might as well go, because it's late in the day. Um, and it turns Which, out we were going to the I'm zoo. Good.
0: I was going to say where, I didn't know where they were going. Is, is it mentioned in the episode, or was it's it It's mentioned
1: in the audio episode. Yeah, I, where they're I, going.
0: Watching, I know if I heard, heard the... one thing I don't do enough of with all my DVDs of comedies and films is listen to the commentary
1: mm.
0: because there's got to be loads of you know things that aren't that not known to most regular viewers of an
1: episode. So yeah. I was going to say, where do you think they're going? So they go to the zoo they were going to whip. well renwick does mention this in the commentary but it's explicitly in this the the narrative of the yes, of the audio
0: okay because um, again animal references as ever yeah um, they, they were going to
1: whip snare zoo um, is that a real name obviously i think yeah it is yeah um, but okay. it turns out that uh, jean thought they were going to the tower of london <laughs> And so this sure. argument breaks out about where they would have been going. And Jean's like, well, I would have preferred to go to the Tower of London. And then Margaret snaps that. Well, it doesn't bloody matter, does it? Because we're not going to either. Yes. Um, and then they start talking about the zoo. And,
0: um, and Mrs. Biswell. So Mrs. Margaret Margaret ran into a Mrs. Biswell and also... Um, yeah. yeah. Margaret runs into Mrs. Biswell and she asked to be remembered to a Mrs. Warboy. So she... This is Mrs. Biswell knows Mrs. Warboy somehow. So Mrs. Warboys was speaking to Mrs. Biswell, sorry, and referenced Margaret to her. And they spoke about somebody called a Bianca Dunlop. She lives three three doors along. Yeah, she, she used bees. to live in
1: Mr. Spiller's old house, which I assume is somewhere near where they used to live in Wingate yep. Crescent.
0: And obviously comical um, use of names, because there's always a, like a slightly... It's never a dull name. It's never Mr. Smith, is it, or Mr. Jones, or whatever. But... Um, yeah. The, the, the story centres around this woman using an old like, grandfather's stairlift for immoral purposes, I assume. Yes,
1: in inverted commas.
0: Was it just laziness, or was it something more naughty? Well, you know, it's, it's, she, so she
1: said that the social came round and said there was far too much wear and tear, yeah. and that's what tipped them off.
0: So one can lead that to the imagination. but, um...
1: but How did they even approach that? The social come round and say, yes, too much wear and tear. There's clearly been used for immoral purposes. <laughs>
0: she wears nothing but a Sainsbury's Cocoa Butter.
1: So when she bed, puts it, yeah.
0: So when she puts the electric blanket on, uh, the bedroom smells of a, like a Malaysian restaurant.
1: Mm.
0: By the way, happy 94th birthday to Dory Mantle a couple of weeks ago, by the way. 94, still going strong. She looked quite well, really, in her photo. I was talking to Ben just before we started recording. I think the last thing I saw her in was a Renwick production. Jonathan Creek. You said it's the Judas tree. Yeah, yeah. special Easter special, 2000 and... Then, was it 2008? On the back end of this bit of gossip, it really we see Victor slowly getting wound up to the point he snaps, ever ever increasingly annoyed with Mrs. Smallboys, just like the gossip queen, isn't she? She was the gossip oh, queen of yeah. dreamland.
1: Gene and Margaret are just talking about um, this man that he fell down in the <laughs> in the middle of Leslie Crowther, which yeah. I thought was a shop, turns out to be a person, <laughs> um, some some broadcaster or other. That's the right, Leslie show or. It, that they were listening to, and he fell down, so he had his arm in a cast, but when it came to having the cast removed, there was no arm inside the hand was there, and the upper arm was there, but there was no middle that's arm that's that's the point Victor snapped, but he mentions Mrs. Burkett, who we see Mrs. Burkett in told the Mrs. Warboys this on top of the bus valley
0: of fear wasn't it She was uh, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh
1: thank God absolutely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> tribe you do talk the pair of you. I've never heard a load of absolute drivel in all my life. Where do you hear such bloody things? Sorry, Mr. Miltro. What people wear in bed and what they do you'd think people want to keep things like that private. Not run around rabbiting about them to everyone under the sun.
1: At this point, oh. Victor, you can see in Victor's face he's just losing patience with this utter nonsense that they're both talking about. He's like, what absolute drivel you do talk the pair of you? I've never heard something so ridiculous in all my life.
0: I love his what? rants at the pair of them because it he does the same in Hearts of Darkness when she's absolutely kicking ass at um, Trivial Pursuit. She's getting every single question <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: How what f- does the excrement? What does? Yeah. what does the excrement of a girl- gazelle smell of? <laughs> you see, you can learn so much from one foot in the grave. I didn't know it smelled of violets. Apparently, it does.
0: Is, is that like fact checked? Does it smell of violets? I uh, know, of course not. I haven't fact checked that. I hope that's
1: true though.
0: Well, I, I mean, one Christmas we played some. I think it was articulate just simple describe something without saying the actual word and one of the family members she she would get the most obscure ones but not something simple like sofa but she'd get some a, a, a name of a chemical or something it's just mm-hmm. absolutely bizarre but um yeah i love that lovely little rant, Ron. <laughs> lovely little rant from victor yeah it, it feels like victor's interrupting on behalf of, of us all in that moment because we're as the viewer it is amusing what they're saying but we're sort of going yeah. what are they where's this going but yeah he does sort of save the day essentially
1: at this point I think Margaret offers to take over the driving for a bit you know, in a vague I... attempt to calm him down and the driving of course in inverted commas because they're not going anywhere
0: yeah uh, to, be, to be fair I mean I've, I've um, tripped to Manchester and back it gets to a certain point and I have to swap because I feel so tired but as soon as I sit in the passenger it's so much more relaxing and ironically I, I'm not sleepy anymore but I think it's just the pressure of driving. Yeah. It's boring, but you've got to stay so focused on motorways, obviously, let alone not normal A-roads and stuff. But, um, yeah, I kind of got Yeah, back. you don't want
1: to die in your sleep on the m sixty.
0: Not <laughs> ideal. Not ideal. With passengers and a little one.
1: So at this point, Vic, Matt, uh, Victor's reading the paper.
0: Well, I was just going to say that um, Margaret says that people should... With, she think that regarding this... Um, I don't know it's Mrs. Burkett story or the staircase story, but she she said, You think people want to keep things private, wouldn't you? you wouldn't want to tell anyone. Especially about the, the, the strange things that goes on in ah. <laughs> about the strange things that goes on in, in your bed. And I was thinking, didn't she tell in Dreamland, like all her friends, Victor's habits and stuff? So I thought that's a little bit hot pop- kettle black.
1: Yeah, and the monkey, the monkey sorry as well. That's right, so, yeah. Things that should be better kept.
0: That's right.
2: I knew I wouldn't tell anyone about the strange things you do when you're in bed. <laughs> no, neither would I.
0: So Mrs. Warboys is reading like a gossip mag, of course she is. That's just Woman's
1: realm, I believe. Women's realm. So once they've once swapped over, Victor's reading the paper that Margaret was doing the crossword in and he's he's doing he's reading one of the stories that so amuses him. Yep. There's a man shot by gangland villains in the East End. They shove the body in the boot and this is something the local garage failed to spot when they went over it for the MOT, which of course leads him on to another rant about his own car and the car mechanics who were supposed to fix his own gear lever. Mm. Um, yes,
0: the gear lever, be- the gear lever being loose, but to me, that all yeah. oh, gear levers look like that in the 90s and before, but um, I think it's just a general dig at car mechanics. I mean, I failed at MOT because they actually checked my boot and it was just full of junk.
1: A body? No, okay. No,
0: not a body, thankfully, but it was, he said, I had to fail it because we couldn't see the spare tire. Well, it we, we, was co- covering the quilt essentially that covers the spare tire, not quilt, but it's a covering. So all You're I have right. to do is take it out and they went right you pass. It's so pedantic, but clearly, I guess oh. it wasn't a thing in the 90s. Of so checking. they're not
1: allowed to take stuff out to see the... Spare no, they weren't. They went, got... Apparently they
0: weren't allowed to, so they oh, said. Okay. and um, But you don't need a spare time now. I don't think there's anything more we want to mention to that, but Victor jokes he wished he'd had the wasp to eat because he was getting that much more hungry. With the. Uh...
1: Yeah, he said he's not he had anything to eat in the last 24 hours, and I was like, well, whose fault's that? So he obviously didn't have breakfast yes. before they set off. Yeah, um, And then, of course, Victor's hypochondria kicks in and he starts complaining about the prickly heat. Hot flushes
0: and
2: um,
1: it's yeah. quite
0: consistent with character storytelling because he's always been a hypochondriac, hasn't he? and it continues throughout the series. Look,
2: look, look at this! It's a bloody post office queue all over again. Why aren't we moving? Oh, I expect we'll move in a minute. I bet we don't. But the entire queue gets passed at both sides, while we're well, we still stuck here. Really feels as if we're moving backwards. You sure he has broken down in front? Of course he hasn't broken down. Well, we don't know that, do we? I mean, there might be nothing at all in this lane. We might be sitting behind a riderless horse box. driver might have been thrown out of his window going over a humpback bridge. Ah, look, look, it's time to move. And the other two are slowing down now. Quick starter up. We're going. Oh, I don't believe it. Now don't bother. Not worth wasting the battery. Five
0: bloody yards! I love the line he says. It's the, there's, there's some traffic starts to move along. I think not to their left. I think and he goes, it's like the post office all over again. Why aren't we moving? <laughs> that is quite true.
1: Yeah, and then they start talking about, you know, is there actually anybody in the driver's seat of this horse box? <laughs> yeah. Has it, has it just broken down? It could have been ejected. <laughs> it could have been ejected from his seat going over a humpback bridge.
0: Yeah. I think he let. He, I'm sure he lets out, and I don't believe it when the traffic starts to move, and he only goes a few yards. So,
1: oh, maybe he, he does. Says, don't yeah. even
0: bother. Don't waste the battery. So this is the point of the episode where a different dynamic of storytelling is brought in. I think that's the right phrase, but we're introduced to a very temporary new character. What I would only describe as a yuppie, and it feels mm-hmm. like this yuppie is complete random. I don't want to say screaming through to Victor and Margaret, but he seems to be going off on a tangent about special offers for hair, for um, haircuts and ladies' hairdresser I think he owns a ladies' hairdresser, essentially, doesn't he? No,
2: recession? What recession?
0: From where I'm sitting, I've got two salons in North London, both doing serious business. The way I look at it is, well, the economy may stop growing, but your hair doesn't, know what I'm saying? So I'm now
2: looking at options for a third outlet in Pimlico probably opening next summer so you just pop along mention my name and get a free shampoo and set on the house
1: yeah so he pulls up next to them and starts going you know what well, recession what recession mm. you know the, the economy may stop going but your head doesn't and it's not apparent at all that he's not talking to victor and margaret and they're both looking quite confused absolutely bizarre he's yeah he's,
0: got, he's talking through their car to a couple of ladies in a in a um
1: in the outside lane, yeah. Yes, in, a, in, a, in a convertible. What, convertible was
0: the kind. word I was trying to think. Yeah, offering yeah. a free shampoo and set on the house. He's called um, Mr. Salmon. Mr. Salmon, yeah. Mr.
1: Salmon. I can't remember with... what they were called. Lisa and Carol. Um,
0: Lisa and Carol. Is that right? Uh, Lisa and Carol, played by, I looked at, Louise Dupre and Tish Allen. Um, I don't think they've been in a match. Louise Dupre's been in Coronation Street, but I don't think Tish Allen's been in a match. But this, Mr. Salmon, played by Trevor Byfield, He's been in Morse, GoldenEye, the James Bond film. I've seen him in A Touch of Frost. I think he might be a bit part actor or a um, jobbing Mm. actor, as they call them. But this guy's a little bit, he's a pompous guy. This is the classic type of person that will get under Victor's nose. And Margaret is letting it go. Mrs Walbois certainly doesn't really care, does she? But he's chatting these Mm. two ladies up bit sexist about it isn't he i suppose he's trying to wow them by inviting them a 20 percent discount maybe a drink you afterwards. notice that
1: as it as he goes through his discounts get less and less generous as mm. he's, he's talking
0: yeah that's true for,
1: first it's half price then it's 10 percent off on, on the condition that he gets to buy them a drink afterwards that's
0: right and he, and he says <laughs> i think the lady says how do you not know i'm a natural blonde oh well know. that's for
1: you to prove otherwise isn't it <laughs> and that, i think that's the point where victor explodes why
2: don't you just dangle your private parts out of the window at you, you
1: window, Which you can see building up. And Anything. It's, oh, for God's sake, why don't you just dangle your private parts out of the car at them and be done with it? Well,
0: I think he has every right to... Although he's, he's always over the top. It is rude what they're doing. It's anti-social, isn't it? Despite them being yeah. social with someone else. It's not exactly fair to be screaming through your car window. Um, I think he has every right to have a little moan there but he's very brave, I I feel like I've had this kind of rant to a stranger, even if they were like someone who didn't appear hard I feel like Mm. they probably want to lap me one
1: Well Margaret suggested that didn't she and he was like well I'm not boiling to death just for them
0: yeah, which, quite right, I I totally get that. The lady, I think, Vick, so Victor's part of Victor's rant, he does show a bit of disrespect to the ladies and kind of calls them... Um,
1: what does he Sex hundred, Sex-hungry trollops.
0: Yeah, a bit hard. Like,
1: he um, says, like, um, my, my car's been used as a contraceptive. Says, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here while you use my airspace to get off with two sex-hungry trollops. I'll shut
2: my nose in whenever I want. This is my airspace when you've quite finished conducting your sex lives through the middle of it. Is it my like cars being used as a bloody contraceptive. I'm not going past the nosy you very much just for seeing it with two sex-hungry trollops. I notice it worked for you. <laughs> what the bloody hell is that supposed to be? Oh, Victor, just let it be for God's
1: sake. At which yes. point one of them says, well, I notice it works for you. For you. <laughs> referring to <laughs> Mrs. Walboys and Margaret.
0: And the, the the great thing of Richard Wilson um, is acting as marvellous because he sort of pauses in disbelief and sort of looks momentarily at Mrs. Walboys because he's
1: thinks what, what the bloody hell is that supposed to mean?
0: <laughs> Sex, again, he's really a bit oppressed. He is a
1: bit of a prude, yeah. yeah.
0: He's... Um, yeah, you well, remember in uh,
1: in in Love and Death that woman sat next to him on the train reading The Joy of Sex. He was absolutely mortified by that. But, he didn't know. But he what goes to all, do.
0: But well, you know, with those two, um, I think they are Romanian ladies or Portuguese ladies, and I can't remember their nationality. or they what they portrayed oh, to yeah, be. So he was yeah. absolutely giggly and loving it. Yeah, it's um, a close call with Barbara Windsor, you know, mm. later on and. So he's I think not, he's... in those
1: cases, though, I think he genuinely doesn't know he's being flirted with. I True. think it, it just goes over his head. I don't think yes. he gets it.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. Um,
1: and Margaret can obviously see it, and that's why she either you know, goes to war with a boxing glove or threatens to go home from their holiday early, because he's apparently getting off with some Romanian vampires mm. in the toilet. Well, I, just, I think he's completely oblivious to, to, I don't know,
0: being chatted up. I guess so. I mean, you might have had years of not really having much anyway, Compliments from Margaret. I mean, Margaret, it they, they seems a bit loveless. I think they're very mm. loyal to each other ultimately, but well, anyway, the traffic moves on with the, the two ladies and whilst Victor's ranting and pointing his finger whilst screaming towards this Mr. Salmon, uh, an, el- an elderly couple pull <laughs> alongside Victor and Margaret's car and he's essentially unintentionally insulting them.
1: Yeah, so he's pointing his finger out of the, the, the driver's side window, saying, "I'm not going to sit here while you try to get off with this demented pair of gormless pea-brained cretins." At which point, another couple of bulldogs—yes, this you, elderly couple—you
0: said that much better than I.
1: Who, who look mortified?
0: Yeah, even older. Than it looked a
1: bit like Ronnie and Mildred. Mildred, that I yeah, expect as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But at this point, Mister um, Simon is ranting back, and he gets a an amusing sounding phone call. <laughs> Yes, hi. Sorry. Yes,
2: it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. What are you one well, of the national grid or something? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Sorry. bloody well move any further forward. I don't give a bugger if you are. Six chance, nothing, but five at the most. Where's that gonna get you anyway? Well, you could just bloody well lump a thing, can't you? And you...
0: And he Answers it in this course, he's got a mobile phone, and it's another another little unexpected moment where we had Mr. Warboys walking into the car. The phone calls for, for Victor, which is ridiculous. And he, of course, he collects the, the phone and the uh, unintentionally electric shocks this Mr. Salmon. He receives yeah. an electric shock from Victor, should you I say. You see the
1: spark as well. And, you know, we've obviously added yeah. quite a significant bit of lightning in post production,
0: lots, lots of detail. <laughs>
1: Sounds um, like bloody hell, what are you? Are you wired up to the national grid or something? <laughs>
0: um well the person on the phone is just someone else in the traffic jam having a go at Victor, clearly. Well, we're we're led to we can only assume they're not happy that he's not moved forward a little bit. Um when I was trying to remember this scene, I thought they were having a go at him for being quite vocal because they can hear him from a distance, but it is actually because yeah, he, he wouldn't move. Yeah, the horse,
1: the horse box moved forward, but he yeah. didn't. And so they're saying, well, can you move forward? Yeah. He must have seen this Mr. Salmon's phone number on the side on the of side his car. car.
0: Which I don't think That's... we really see a shot of it, do we? We can assume it's no. on the back or something. No. Has he got a convertible? As well? No, he's not got a convertible, has he? So it must be. Anyway, um, and the car lets out a toot. So, you know, Victor's and you mm. response. Little hammy, I thought that moment. But, and um, you, yeah. And, yeah. It's a little. I thought they could have done better with that. but I could have, that Yeah, could have likewise. I'd, yeah, this doesn't often happen with One from the Grave. I just thought that could have been a funnier ending to that. But anyway. Yeah. So he hands the phone back and then another static shock.
1: Mr. Salmon. salmon
0: calls him a bastard.
1: That's um,
0: quite a... And again, one of those iconic moments in One from the Grave where he puts his window up and it's he's got a sticker of a middle finger which slowly reveals itself, much to Victor's shock. And it's, That's it, very
1: 90s, isn't it? Things very in, 90s, in your window. Yeah, stickers
0: on the back. And I think the guy moves on, I think, at that point. And Victor's quite solemn at this point, isn't he? he will. He will he's becoming more solemn. I think. Yeah,
1: Margaret's like, well, I suppose you're happy as a sandboy you now, aren't you? <laughs> Is there anyone else you'd like to pick a fight with on this stretch of the motorway um, and you see a face as they stop talking and it suddenly goes a bit silent margaret's livid that they've yes. just been embarrassed to this extent which
0: mm. to be fair
1: i think victor was in the right oh
0: 100 percent in the right the whole time right. i mean he yeah. there's always a better way to rant and what he's uh he did essentially offend a couple of people the ladies next to him but they didn't really yeah. deserve to be called trollops but um they were, they were quite sweet in return, really. They, they were a bit cheeky back, but they weren't... This Mr Sam was definitely the arse, I think, of this scene.
1: Yeah, Margaret's suggestion to just wind the window up would have just mm. done the job without any confrontation. So
0: mm. It's a bit of an awkward silence to address it, like being in a mausoleum. Um, yeah,
1: and they, they, he decides to put some music on to, to break the silence. So he grabs a cassette off the dashboard and puts and it then. in. Hey, a bloke. We can't stand any longer Always on
2: the bleeding moan Every time we mend his bloody Honda He's back rousing on the phone First we fixed his car's ignition Checked his brakes and clutch And then overhauled his whole transmission. He just brought it back again. <laughs> it's a meltdown. It's a meltdown. He can seek it up his boy his He can fire all to
0: him. Eric Idle. Eric Idle and John Depree. And I think it's Deprey. Oh, is he's that who a, it is? He's a musical composer who did Monty Python music, and he did the Monty Python live. And um, If you're a Breaking Bad fan, he looks just like Jonathan Banks. who plays Mike Irvingtrap. But anyway, I was surprised to learn he sang this with Eric Idle. Um, we've got the, the lyrics. So it's a special mention for the podcast, because of course what I use for the opening. Uh, there's a bloke we can't stand any longer, always on the bleeding bone. Every time we mend his bloody Honda, he's back grossing on the phone. Grousing, I
1: think, yeah.
0: First, we fixed his car's ignition, checked his brakes and clutch, and then overhauled his whole transmission. Obviously not going to sing as long. He just brought it back again. Victimology, victimology. he can stick it up his bum. He can bugger off to kingdom car. So I, when I first did the podcast, I was thinking, one day going to be talking about this. And here we are, talking about the theme you might <laughs> nicked. Thank you, BBC. In it, um, and it follows with a little forties jazzy bit of music on the end. And
1: I, I love just, how throughout it all, all three of them are just staring at the stereo. They um,
2: hold a note quite well, don't they,
1: <laughs> for car
2: mechanics?
0: Mrs. Warboys, in, in timely fashion, felt they had a very good voice for mechanics. She meant that. She, I don't ever think she's trying to wind them up on purpose. It's just. That's not the right time to say that. It's no, she's
1: she's never malicious at heart. She just says the wrong thing. Mm. Um, it turns out that Victor says that stuck a piece of chewing gum in the record protect hole, which is I another sign of the times. I remember when of time
0: to. Having, to do, having to do that. Just, uh, with yeah. um, VHS, if you don't want to record over something, you have to pull that little piece out of the top. I don't know what that piece yeah, is called. Yeah. So I love that little... Th- I mean, that kind of dates part of the show in many ways when they bring up these references of uh, yeah, cassette tapes alone. I mean, we should talk about how... I mean, it's funny, but that's a bit of an arsehole prank. I mean, you're paying mechanics to fix your car and they obviously don't do a proper job and they record over your cassette tape.
2: Mm.
0: Assuming it's his cassette tape, one they brought and recorded onto. That's a bit of an arsehole move, but um, there you go. He doesn't really respond to it. He's just deflated, isn't he? He's not I think, to be honest, at
1: this point, I mean, it shouldn't be any surprise to him now. The, The... the extents people will go to to upset him. Yeah. He must be used to that by now, and so this can't be a surprise.
2: Mm.
1: And one I of think... my favourite things that happened, one of my favourite things that somebody did to him was in the executioner song, where they revealed the wallpaper. Oh, yes. the printed, Get a life, you sad get That's on the wallpaper. Get... And like, that use... was a costly thing to do, to get back at somebody, but they did it because he was that much of an asshole to them. And, yeah, I notice you use it in I your I do intro. use
0: that snippet for... When I was thinking, what could I use for the Meldry Moan segment? That one stuck yeah. in my mind, so I used that. We have a bit of a, a victim monologue. Very quite, very, like I said, solemn is the word I use. A bit of fake music, quite sad.
1: Reminiscent of the end of Timeless Time as well. It's just like that. I might this, even need the yeah. same,
2: same score of music. Mirror image of your life, really, isn't it? Car journey in a bank holiday first 50-odd miles on the go all the way, a sense of direction, bowling along. Get past 60, everything slows down to a sudden crawl. And you realize you're not going anywhere anymore. All the things you thought you were going to do that never came to anything. And you can't turn the clock back. One-way traffic just gradually grinding to a complete halt. Same for everyone, I suppose. Suppose. And you just have to try and make the best you can of it. Mm -hmm.
0: So he talks about sense of direction. first 50 miles, you're on the go. Um, You get past 60, everything slows down. Literally like his age... Once he gets past sixty, things start to slow down to a sudden crawl. Realizing you you're not really going anywhere anymore, yeah, he's quite sad. Really, like he's just really is reflecting at this point. At least he's calmed down, I suppose. But he's not in the best of moods.
1: He's right, though.
0: And he, yeah, he's absolutely right. And it's the camera pans back to the digital clock to show that the um, you can't change. Well,
1: yeah, you, can you can't turn, turn the, turn clock, the back.
0: clock back. I mean, you literally can now, thanks to slightly better technology. But we know what he means in that mm. uh, in that regard.
1: There's one way of traffic gradually grinding to a complete halt.
0: It's like, yeah, it's all analogies, isn't it, at this point? Mm. Like you said, it's it's very similar to the end of Timeless Time, mm. but he, a bit of a, a light comic relief, where what do you say? Back
1: to his hunger.
0: Back to his hunger. It's no good. We're going to have to eat Mrs. Warboys. And that's quite sweet, really, because he's he's literally having a bit of a laugh. Mrs. Walboys yes. takes it well. I know she's a bit
1: grisly, but these are desperate yeah. times. Desperate so I'm times. sure she'll do the decent thing and yeah. shoot herself. That's
0: yes, right. Before we got to that, he was just saying, you, you have to just make the best of everything in life. Mrs. Walboys saying, sort of mm. chimed in as well, didn't she? But yeah, then hunger kicks in. He did describe Mrs. Walboys as a close friend of the family, mm. uh, I think, in, in his little joke about eating her. So I thought that was quite nice. They do have
1: these moments, those two, where they, they do see eye to eye. It doesn't happen very often.
0: Well, yeah, you only got to look but it at the one foot in the Algarve, and he's, he's clearly... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it might just be part of it. Talking about the Algarve for a minute, he's going to get so much trouble for not looking out for her. But you know, at the end of the day, he thought he'd lost a friend in that moment. Mm. But um, well, the, we do a kind of a full circle, if that's the phrase, where he, I think, was he offered a sucky sweep?
1: Margaret, you know, in the oh, what was it? Hang on, yeah. So it's either that or either we eat Mrs. Warboy's or and then Mrs. So the Warboy's is like, Oh, what, Mr. Meldrum? And he's like, Where are the sucky sweets? Yeah, which Margaret very affectionately grabs them out of the dashboard and that's right holds them open for him to get one and he, he grabs I himself mean, a sucky sweet and then we we zoom back out,
0: we zoom back out, which is yeah, it's it's mirrors the start of the episode and um i i remember first watching this and i was really hoping we'd get to their destination i didn't really so it must have been a young boy thinking well when we get there i wonder what's going to be like what you know when they arrive to where they it'd be nice if the following episode had their trip at the zoo but no doubt if they did that episode monkeys would be all over him if they escaped the cages because monkeys absolutely love victor as we know yeah um,
1: so it was a think, risky thing to do actually I, Now you mentioned that It was a risky place to go for victory Very
0: risky I don't know why I agreed to it um, <laughs> so, so so, what? Your, how does that episode rate for you overall? Um, I, can
1: I think it's high But then I like these claustrophobic episodes Because I think they force the writer to be The most creative yeah. they can be Because yeah. there's only so many Horrible things you can impose on somebody yeah. in, a, in a closed set Yeah and so you've got to go for the absolute absurd, and it happens in all all five of the of the real time episodes. It happens where you yep. start off just ranting at the world, not really getting anywhere. In the end, you end up with this solemnness at the end. Mm.
0: It's always a solemn... yes. With so timeless time, beast in the cage, the trial. What were the other threatening, threatening, threatening weather weather. and rearranging the dust. And dust, yeah, rearranging dust. I'm for me one of my favourites. Mm. They're all so good, but that and the old looking forward to it immensely.
1: That's going to be a long episode for you, isn't it? I think, I think uh, these podcasts tend to take twice real time. Yeah. It, so it's... that's going to be, what, a three-hour episode in total?
0: is. When I, when I used to talk to myself, I could edit it down to 40 minutes, but yeah. now I have a guest on, which is so much better, it's an hour and a half, hour and 45, and they're not all necessary specials. But, we, yeah, we, we're talking about yeah the filming location being a test track, Voxel's test track in Bedfordshire. We mentioned the weather was freezing apparently for the actors. It took about two weeks, two weeks because of the weather It was just peeing down all the time apparently. So um, and they're getting closer uh, it's and closer. Also,
1: to... It's also mentioned in the commentary that they rehearsed in a hotel near Luton with Victor oh, and just sat in two chairs as well. Oh, okay, that makes sense because cool. uh, this this test track is quite near Luton where Renwick right. lives.
0: Did he mention the random bit of very brief story about? The, the catering van on site, and Renwick choking on a piece of pork lodged in his throat. Rich Wilson had to essentially perform the Heimlich manoeuvre on on, on him. Yeah,
1: slap him on the back. There were two anecdotes. One was that Renwick choking on a burger, and the other one was that um, all the extras from all the other cars, queue jumped Victor in the queue for the burger van, the, the catering van, and Victor That's quietly awesome. seething and joined his place at the end of the queue, <laughs> which is the opposite of what Victor would have done.
0: Yes. He would I love have how you ranted as... his
1: way to the front.
0: I love how you referred to him as Victor there rather than Did I, I meant
1: Richard, yeah, of course, but,
0: yeah. You got to say, <laughs> Rich Victor Maltry would not have any of that, would he? But um... No,
1: no, he'd have none of it. And neither would uh neither would Annette, I don't think. I think she'd be. It's like, Well I'm the one remembering all the lines <laughs> and doing all the acting. I want my burger first.
0: Quite right as well, I think. Renwick, Renwick tended to be quite serious when filming, but he did laugh. He would only really laugh during the read-throughs. Yeah, certainly when, when they're actually on, lo- on site, on location, there was no laugh to be had.
1: I do find it interesting in this case that, you know, Renwick has no role mm. on set.
0: You no, know, it's Susie Belbin, isn't it, who's the director, so she, yeah. she's here, they're everywhere. I mean, she wants all the shots... Mm. By the evening closing, would just remain in the car, like you've you've already mentioned. And um...
1: but I think I think Renwick was present for the recording of all of the episodes.
0: Yeah, I imagine which would is be, I, sure.
1: I don't know how unusual that is for a writer, but it's certainly Roy like Clark, he's... who uh, who writes Keeping Up Appearances, he's Last of summer Wine He submits well. the scripts and then that's it. He never turns does. He not up. that's
0: tr- um, I know John oh. Sullivan turns up for Fools and Horses. I think you'd right. Surely you get an official director role producer role but you're not credited as that just the writer i don't know
1: i think i'd want to be there you surely yeah. want to see
0: your that's just, i just find that bizarre like yeah anyone can send the script in if it's a comedy script and it's at least a bit funny i just find it hard to say imagine you'd be at home mm. and you just the next time you sit is on a telly i just find that bizarre you'd be at well, least go to a read through or be consulted about what parts of the script to change and the casting who would you like you know i that's that's crazy but i yeah, yeah on view, well one of the things been...
1: um roy clark was I, I watched a documentary about keeping up appearances and one of the things roy clark was saying was that he did submit the script and then he'd watch it on tv and, and he, he he'd have no no involvement between submission of a script and it being on tv and they said yeah. he'd find scenes that he hadn't written um
0: i just thought that's very bizarre bit, i mean the
1: actors found it quite frustrating as well because they wanted to know a bit more about their characters like well, yeah. uh Joe Tucson, who played Elizabeth, wanted to know more about her character. And Clark just said, well, she's, she's married if you want her to be. She has kids if you want her to have kids, but the left arm, It's up to you. And so they kind of got nothing from him. That is absolutely bizarre. As I, think, I think Renwick certainly takes a lot more interest in his characters
0: yeah, than their
1: backgrounds.
0: Susie Belden would want to get that information from the writer, Renwick. So
1: mm, yeah, I exactly. that.
0: It was mentioned that Susie Belvin, she, she decided all the shots, bar the opening and closing, would remain in the car just to give her a sense of claustrophobia. Yeah. So I don't know if that means would we have seen other things outside? Like, she obviously said, look, I think we should just keep it as a claustrophobic scene. You know, they're all in one car. They only go out to stretch their legs or swap, but we don't do anything else. I wonder what mm. Redwick might have had up his, up his sleeve otherwise, but it worked as it... It worked... As it was intended, I suppose, or how Susie intended anyway. So, yeah, that's I look back, following on that, on that episode. That's not really ironically because there's a lot, there's not a lot going on. Do you ever find if you're watching something you've watched several times, you might just glance at your phone or do something else and it's on in the background? But when it's a one scene episode, I'm still transfix because I don't want to miss a moment. Whereas if it's just scene by scene, I might just look away for a minute and then look back. But with this, you do need to concentrate for the whole half an hour, even though there's there, a there lot There are here. more
1: subtle things that you can miss, I think, in, in an episode mm. like this, and I think it's true in all of the, yeah. all five of the claustrophobic episodes yeah. that yeah. they are more beguiling purely because you're watching them in real time. Yeah,
0: that's very true. Well, and, and then another end to an episode, Beware of the Tricks on the Roof, is the next one.
1: Which but, I think is probably my favourite episode.
0: The lucky charm that uh, Mr. Sweeney introduces. That's a Mr. Sweeney yeah. special with the lady who I remember from EastEnders playing the mother, Mrs. Moon. I think it's Alfie oh, Moon. Oh, of
1: course. Yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Skimpson.
0: Mrs. Skimpson. I
1: had never made that connection. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, I mean, when I I I think when I watched this episode, she'd already been in EastEnders at the time. So,
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, that's uh, Mrs. Skimpson. But I think we need to, Amaldra um, um, Moon.
2: Skin their ruddy heights
0: for them. So, Meldrum Moon, is there anything you like to whinge about, Ben? Do you know what?
1: There's always something I want to whinge about, but I forgot about the Meldrum Moon segment, so I don't have anything.
0: I might have made about this before, but the one way traffic system in supermarkets, which actually, to be fair, ended today, but if you've been into a supermarket in the last Two months they've got the arrows pointing one way that got on my absolute nerves but i mean there's empty aisles where you you're about to enter one and it's got no entry but there's no one in that aisle i think it was one lady at the other end and it's quite a wide aisle and she said you're going the wrong way love oh, <laughs> like, i guess if if one does it they'll all do it but I i do i have followed the rules but that really 'cause you just got there's just something at right at the end of the o arm's reach, but you have to go all the way around. Only today I did my food shopping and that has come to an end, thankfully. So we can and it was take I was it was taking some getting some used to again because I felt guilty freely going down aisles that I knew previously the last two and a half months have been
1: you mustn't enter the Baker aisle this way. Um but often by going round the other aisle to get back you encounter more people. That's so the you thing. have more more opportunities to Pass on the disease or acquire the disease. Yeah,
0: I get a little bit annoyed when I'm out walking the dog in the open air field, and one person will will drastically walk around me like 50 meters.
1: Make <laughs> a real point of it.
0: I just think, come on. <laughs> but so that's my that's the only thing I can think of to moan about, and it's coronavirus related as ever. Oh!
2: Bastards. Can you believe the nerve of this skinned for them <laughs>
0: Do you think we're with f- it feels like things are practically back to normal now The only thing that's not normal is the fact entertainment venues, gyms, swimming pools they're still very much locked down. Everything else people are back to work, uh, non-essential yeah. shops are open, uh, hotels are opening you can go. On holiday, you can you don't have to quarantine when you come back from holiday now, so it feels a bit of normality again, which is really good.
1: Yeah, where I live is going to get a lot louder because I live right at the edge of the runway of Manchester Airport, so <sighs> I've noticed an increase in air traffic um, right in recent yeah. weeks because yeah. of that. Certainly, a lot more Ryanair flights are landing. Okay. Uh,
0: that's um, to which I, I don't mind
1: because I actually I really like living here because I I, I guess when aviation. you move there you,
0: you, you knew what you're letting yourself in for I suppose so Yeah I
1: mean there's a there's a plane landing here every three or four minutes so Right When you view the place you're going to yes. live in you're going to notice it Right And if well, you still choose to live there you've got no room to mourn
0: I've got um family who live in Staley Bridge, so Greater great Manchester yeah, they're sort of like on the border of like the dales almost, and they live quite high up in the in in the mountains almost, but overlooking Stadley Bridge and Manchester City Centre. But you've got planes going over every. Yeah. Sort of, it's, I love it. Fascinating because they're quite low. You can make out the company, whether it's Easy Jet, Virgin Airways. It's brilliant. Something yeah, I love it. uh, yeah, I that is interesting.
1: Possible. Of course, I see them literally just before they land, so we we get them extremely loud. And so we've got... One thing you learn when you move under a flight path is where the subtitles button is on your TV remote.
0: Well, I'd just like to thank you once again, Ben, for coming onto the show. I feel like you're, like I said, a friend of the show now.
1: An Um, absolute pleasure, as always. Always good to talk about this show.
0: Thank you. And if you are listening for the first time or you're a regular listener, please, would you mind reviewing the show? I don't mind what you put in there, but it's a review, it's a review. Ideally, five stars. It just helps the show become more searchable. You can email one the pod, at gmail.com. Anything you'd like to feedback or you'd like to come onto the show, absolutely fine. You can tweet the show at one foot in the pod. I'm quite active on the One Foot in the Grey pages. So it's quite a bit of fun on there now and again. Happy birthday to Mr. Richard Wilson, 84 years young. I would, a lot of people are posting pictures of them with Richard Wilson meeting him i think in july 2018 i don't know if it's a book signing thing or i don't know, meet and greet i never knew about it i wish i did i'd have loved to have met him but unless he comes on the podcast but very unlikely but who I knows never know. I, try, I, I do for the listeners i have i do i do ask but i just don't suspect it will happen. but we might have a special guest on in a couple of months time and all will be revealed But, um, yeah, thank you very much, Ben, for coming on, and thank you, listeners, and I look forward to discussing. So the next episode, beware the tricks on the roof. Take care, and I'll speak to you soon.